This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are looking at different questions, different just things that we sometimes have trouble wrapping our mind around. And all of us here in this room believe in a sovereign God. And I think if you just talk to most people, most people would say, I believe in a sovereign God. I have not come across a systematic theology that doesn't talk about God being sovereign. But there's a way to say that I believe in God's sovereignty that then leads to, but I really don't. I believe that God is sovereign. However, he's not sovereign in this area or in this aspect, or I'm going to give him a pass over here. None of us in the room give God a a pass on any category. When we say that we believe that God is sovereign, we believe that he reigns and rules over all things, period. We don't asterisk that. We don't qualify that in any way. So that means that we also sometimes have to deal with some hard questions about how does that sovereignty then relate to and then today we're going to, to look at two things. One, how does God's sovereignty relate to suffering? And how does God's suffering our sovereignty allow our relate to the call to prayer in our lives? So let's let's deal with sovereignty and suffering. If God, and even that phrase just is not correct, since God hmm. reigns over all things. Why is there so much suffering? Why does he allow, permit, direct, I don't care, fill in, the, fill in that blank with whatever word you want, suffering in the lives of, of, of people? Well, suffering's due to <clears throat> the fall. The, you know, so we go back to the, the garden and Adam and Eve's disobedience toward God and uh, the curse that came upon mankind because of that. So you, we have to recognize that sin has entered into the world, so there is going to be suffering. And you know, out of that suffering, God is being glorified in the punishments he sends upon the earth as well as the blessings and the deliverance from those things. So there is... There's that, and you know, there's places uh, you know, like you look at the the man born blind, and he's and the disciples were asking, who sinned this 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 man or his parents, and uh, and he, he said neither, but that the glory of God might be manifest, and then he then he heals this man. So I think that what uh, you know, oftentimes we look at suffering as a punishment, but it, it, we ought to be looking at it as an opportunity to for God to show forth his glory. Mm-hmm. And added to that is um, our own refining. It may not be, I mean, it could be a disciplinary thing if, you know, God disciplining us for some sin, but not all the time. And sometimes it's simply just to uh, draw us closer to him. You know, Peter talks about how the present suffering or the 
the suffering for a little while in this life that our faith may be refined and tested like gold and silver. Uh, Paul also talks about the sufferings of this life not being worthy to be compared to the glory that awaits. There's a sense in which you know God is strengthening our faith through suffering, but he's also stirring within us a hunger and desire for the age to come and to be prepared to be there. I think there's also, it's, it's important to understand suffering is kind of a big <coughs> umbrella category. So suffering in general in this world is a, is a part of God's judgment as a result of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as, underneath that umbrella, then we could talk about unjust suffering, which is sometimes the hardest one we wrestle with, mm-hmm. you know, like the man born blind. You know, mm-hmm. he was born blind. That seems unjust, but God says, no, it's, or Christ says it's revealed for God's glory. But then there can be just suffering in the sense that we would, we would not argue with the fact that, that crim, when crim, criminals are punished for a violation of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sproul does a good job of talking about this, this type of suffering when he inverts the question is not why or how could God allow suffering, but wouldn't we consider it a, a judge to be unjust to allow criminals to go unpunished? Mm-hmm. That's one of the right questions, is God would not be a just judge if he did not allow the suffering of those who deserve punishment. Mm -hmm. I think part of the struggle is that when we talk about sovereignty, we can understand God's reign over all things, because we experience that. We see rule, people rule and govern. But where we run up to issues is every authority that we encounter is sinful. Every authority that we encounter, their rule is is influenced by a selfishness and a self-serving component. But God's is not governed that way. His is governed by his holy and pure and righteous character. So he never errs. He never does anything that is not according to his righteousness, holiness, and justice, but also that goes counter to his goodness and his graciousness and his love. And it's all underneath his incredible wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And that's where I, I when I'm trying to deal with suffering and, and the struggle of this doesn't look right and doesn't feel right and my experiences make me question, then I have to step back and say, okay, who is God? And he can't deny his own character. Mm-hmm. So even though I might struggle with a moment, I can still come back and say, but God is still righteous and holy and just and loving and wise and unlimited in knowledge and understanding. I can't comprehend it, but God does all things well. Mm-hmm. And that that's really what I would say is that's where faith comes. That's really where, where it becomes trust. And I think the Belgic is beautiful on that. We believe that this good God after he created all things, did not abandon them to chance or fortune, but leads and governs them according to his holy will in such a way that nothing happens in this world without his orderly arrangement. Yet, God is not the author of, nor can he be charged with, the sin that occurs. For his power and goodness are so great and incomprehensible that he arranges and does his work very well and justly, even when... The devils and wicked men act unjustly. And and that's hard. It's the whole story of, of Joseph, mm-hmm. you know, being sold into slavery by his brothers and then mm-hmm. the, the resolve that comes later when his brothers have to come before him mm-hmm. and they're worried and and 
Joseph will even say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And it resulted in the salvation of a nation, the deliverance of a nation that took place. God had his hand in those things in that he permitted them to happen. He wasn't the author of their evil. They meant it for evil, but God purposed that it would turn out for good. I think that's the great hope is that suffering is not purposeless mm-hmm. in, in our lives, but that even in the midst of unjust suffering or difficult suffering, that, that we can trust in the nature of God, that he is both sovereign and good, and mm-hmm. take peace in the midst of that. And yeah. we might not ever know the right. purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has not said, I'm going to reveal my holy will in every circumstance that you go through. Mm-hmm. No, so we because might... he's calling us to live by faith. Mm-hmm. We don't live by sight. We live by faith in the Son of God. And so if we if it was all sight, you know, where would be our faith, you know? Mm-hmm. I, if I, I know if I do that, that's turning out just perfectly. But we're, we're required to live life forward by faith, looking ahead to him. We see that in the suffering of Christ. You know, Peter said, you know, in his sermon in Acts that got he was handed over according to God's mm-hmm. plan. And we see Jesus, you know, on the cross uttering that prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, he's there performing this evil, <clears throat> sinful act, and Christ's heart is to ask for their uh, forgiveness, you know, that they would be not held accountable, but because uh, this was accomplishing the salvation of God's people. But if God governs over all things, and all things happen according to his holy will, why do we need to bother to pray? If it's just about living by faith, can't we just trust in God and say, I don't need to pray about anything because God's going to bring about his holy will regardless? Well, I think first there's an element of just obedience, right? When right. we're commanded to pray and invited to pray and, and prayer becomes a gift to us, we no longer have a, a high priest that we have to enter into God's court through or, or hope on our behalf, but rather Christ becomes our high priest that allows us to enter into the throne room of grace. So I think there's there's an element of command and then uh, an obedience. And then I think prayer is not about reorienting God according to our will, but us reorienting ourselves according to his will. And it's getting in, in line with him in that in those moments of prayer and having our soul retuned into who he is and what he's accomplishing. And yep. he's, a, he, he's a sovereign God, but he also shows us he's a, a God who uses means. Yeah. So he is sovereign over all things. Um, everything that comes to pass is by his decree. But he's also chosen uh, to use various means, and one of those means is the prayers of his people. Yeah. Prayer prayer's not pulling God to us, but it's pulling ourselves to God. A.W. Mm-hmm. Pink said, prayer is not designed for the furnishing of God with the knowledge of what we need, but it is designed as a confession to him of our sense of need. You know, we go to him. He calls on us to verbalize our needs to to him, and he does that not because he needs to be nudged or moved uh, from some act of slumber to benefit us, but because prayer benefits uh, ourselves and deepens our dependence upon him. Sometimes, as I'm going through different things in life, I just need to to process the circumstance or the situation that I'm experiencing. And, and this is one of the great gifts of, of being married and being on the same page with your spouse. And I'm just talking through things with my wife. I'm not looking for her to solve it necessarily, but I'm trying to, to come to grips with what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, where I'm at, and 
that whole unburdening myself in that moment to my wife it is is therapeutic mm-hmm. and in some ways but just in a greater way that's what prayer is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. as we come to the lord and we come in we're really in what the bible is saying we're coming to our heavenly father and what we're doing is yes we're making requests of him mm-hmm. we're bringing our our cares and our petitions and our anxieties to him and what what part of that is is us being able to say god i I'm struggling with some of this, and I don't know exactly what to do, but I'm bringing it to you because I think you do, mm-hmm. and I know you do. And you're kind of aligning our will to the will of the Father. Well, we were talking about sovereignty just shortly um, before, but actually God has purposed in his sovereignty to work things through prayer. Mm-hmm. This is when you know, he, he, his decree uh, is de- – Decide, he and his decree, decree decided that he would be answering the prayers of his people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so in, in one sense, you could say, yes, prayer does indeed change people and events. It stirs the hearts of God's people. It doesn't change God's mind, but it plays an important role in his providential plan for us. Mm-hmm. And the book of, of Hebrews will say that we come to the throne room of grace to receive grace. And mercy to help us in our time of need, and that God has chosen to say, "I'm going to give you not only what you need, but I'm going to give you myself mm-hmm. as you come and enter into to prayer." Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Hopefully, as you think ahead, you have already made plans for September 22nd and 23rd for the Reformation Boise Conference. For information and details and to register, go to ReformationBoise.com. We'll see you then. <music>